What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio after, well, an eventful weekend, to say the least. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. Mark's going to join me in just a little bit because we're going to kick off this show with one of the most important men, actually, in the NFL, one of us kicking off a domino effect. That was general manager Nick Casario making the trade of Deshaun Watson to the Cleveland Browns, getting back in return three first-rounders, a third to fourth. We had a lot to discuss, and we talked with him Saturday right after his press conference down there in the did. so we had a good opportunity. We know Sean and Seth are going to have Nick on at 7.30 tomorrow, so make sure you tune in to that. Make sure you tune in now to hear Nick Casario on with Mark and myself. It's Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with General Manager Nick Casario. Nick, great to see you. Fellas, good to be here. Special Saturday edition. Special weekend edition of yes. Texans Radio. Uh, Nick, your thoughts on being able to move on after dealing with the Watson situation for over a year, finally being able to make this trade and get the Texans into 2022 and beyond? Yeah, really the big thing. It's about moving forward and it's about clarity for everybody. I think everybody at least has an understanding of where we are. So it's an opportunity for the franchise, an opportunity really for everybody involved to just kind of move forward. So there's a lot of work ahead of us. So we're kind of in the midst of the team building process for the 22 season. So that's always an exciting part of what we're trying to do organizationally. So probably wrap up here for agency, you know, over the next call it week or so. And then once we kind of transition in April, then it'll be very draft focused and draft centric, which will be kind of the next step of the whole team building process. I'm so disappointed. My partner, Mark, he buried the lead. How's your bracket? We need to know how your bracket is. First of all, <laughs> honest, honestly, I have no idea who's even playing in the tournament. <laughs> we figured that was probably literally, I think, Other than, a, I think I St. That Louis beat Kentucky. That's about the extent that, of it. St. Peter's. Excuse St. Peter's. me. St. But Peter's. That's a good me. thing. You don't know, Nick. Yes, <laughs> exactly. That's the perfect answer. If you would have been like, Oh, Oh my gosh, no St. Peter's blew my bracket. We certainly would have been a little bit worried about that, Nick. In all, all seriousness, you have the trade going on. You have the start of the new league year. Did you have like three different phones that you were like, okay, this one's for the Watson trade. This one is for new league year. How do you kind of juggle all those balls in the air at the same time, Nick? No, it's an interesting point. You, you really have to try to balance everything off and just allocate the appropriate time as needed. So there's going to be certain – periods of time during the course of the day you may have to allocate a little more to one versus the other but once the new league year started and once free agency started we're trying to add players to our team and ultimately that's my responsibility so that communication that dialogue with the agents you know in terms of negotiating the contracts like that's ultimately going to fall on my shoulder so there's a time sensitivity to, to some of those things that's involved so try to balance everything off our pro staff did a great job of at least kind of providing the information and and there was a, a lot of dialogue back and forth with our coaching staff and we had done some work prior to in terms of creating sort of maybe buckets or pockets of players okay if we can't get this player here's another option what happens if this player becomes available so you really have to treat it business as usual and just kind of go about your day and not get too bogged down with one particular thing understanding that you know there's certain um relevance and importance to maybe the, the nature of the transaction, but kind of don't lose sight of sort of the day-to-day -day and just the work that needs to, to get done. Nick, you were dealing with a situation that was unprecedented in the history of this league. So being able to deal with the different teams involved with the trade that you ultimately made with the Browns, what can you tell us about what that was like having to filter all that through and ultimately make a deal? Yeah, it's a lot to get organized, mm -hmm. but ultimately you just – 
you have to be very thoughtful. You want to stay patient. Can't get too high. Can't get too low. Can't set unreasonable expectations. You have to be realistic about what may or may not happen. And you really have to be prepared for just about every scenario because you're never sure how it's going to go until the end. So prepare, plan, and then be ready, be ready to act at the appropriate time if there's an opportunity to do so. So, um, you know, I'd say that's probably been not to oversimplify it, but really the mindset and the overall philosophy that, that I've taken that we've kind of taken organizationally the whole way through. Nick, this might seem like an obvious question, but it was rumored that the big part was the three first rounders. Why? Why was that something that was that important? Like, got, that's got to be the baseline of where to start. Was that really what it was? Is like, that's the baseline to just start the discussion to get it somewhere? Because, I mean, was there any sort of precedent you sort of had to go on in a trade of this magnitude? Well, there's never a precedent. You try to establish what you think is appropriate value for whatever an asset may be. So it's subject to probably a lot of opinions. Everybody probably has a lot of different opinions and ideas on something like that, but you just try to take the information, try to look at what maybe has happened in the past previously and just try to set, set a, a baseline of, okay, if it's not at least at this level, it's probably going to be hard for us to entertain that type of discussion. So there's no hard and fast rule. So, but I would say that was certainly something that was you know important from, from the outset. You're a little over a month away from the draft and you have two picks in the top 13. What does that do for the Houston Texans right off the bat? It really gives us an opportunity to hopefully just add two good football players to our team. And I think that's really should be the realistic goal and expectations. I think sometimes there's an expectation, okay, this certain player at this certain pick, he has to be X. It doesn't always go that way, but just try to find the right players that we have a conviction for and affinity for that we think when they walk in our building, they're going to embody the things that we want a Houston Texan to embody. So the goal is to try to get good football players, good people, that are going to embrace what we're doing, that are going to embrace our work environment, that are going to embrace our coaching staff, they are going to embrace the city and be part of the fabric of what we're trying to do and establish. You have 10 picks going in right now. And we say for now because last year, I don't know what we went in with. You came out of there with five, moved around, did some different things. I think we had eight and we ended up with five. Yeah. Just kind of positioning. Mm -hmm. Is there a point now with 10? I mean, you also, now with first-rounders, you can move down, you can add more picks. Is there a point where there's almost – too many draft picks? I mean, not in our world. We love it. But <laughs> is there a point where you make 12 to 15 draft selections, you're like, well, maybe that's not where we want to be? Uh, really, you have to look at it. What does it do for your football team or what are the, what's the alternative? So look at your team, make an assessment. You only, can only have 90 players right. on your roster at, at one time. So the more players that you pick, it's either A, potentially could affect some players currently on the team, or it could affect your ability after the draft to maybe bring in some players um, as undrafted free agents. So there's no hard and fast rule. A lot of it is supply and demand driven, and trades are really, I would say, when you get to the draft, are very player driven. They're very player specific. Said team sees a player that they really like. Okay, we want to move up for that player. Okay, in order to get to that point, here's what it costs. Okay, said team, are you willing to do that or not? If not, if you're moving on from that player, if we move on 10 slots, okay, there's not prop a possibility you're going to lose 8 to 10 players that you maybe have a certain grade that you would want to have on your team. So there's a cost-benefit analysis that has to take place in real time. So you just want to make sure you make a, a, an astute assessment, the right assessment, so you can make a good decision. When do you start playing around with trade possibilities? Not that you would automatically, but I'm, I would imagine some scenarios are going to come up during the draft or maybe before it where you could make some moves 
When do you start playing around with that mentally on your board? Yeah, it's a good question. Probably, you know, a week or two before you want to be prepared because when you're in the top 10 of the draft, boy, the, the cost of that trade is pretty significant. So you just want to make sure if a team makes an offer, it's commensurate with what actually the trade should entail. So mm-hmm. you go through different scenarios. Okay, said team is picking here in order for them to move here. Here's what it would cost. So, And we have a, um, a model or we have a um, – a tool in our database where you could sort of simulate or go through different scenarios. You can look at them and say, okay, if this team is at 12 in order for them to get from 12 to three, here's what it would cost. Oh, you know what? They don't have enough. Okay. Let's so don't even factor that in. So there's a little bit of that you can do ahead of time. Um, and you just want to be prepared that if a player, if a team does want to go from call it six to three, oh, what's that cost? Mm-hmm. And okay. Do we want to make that trade? Does it make sense or does it not? So, You'll play around with it eventually, Mark. Probably now is not the time, but eventually at some point you'll you'll go through a little bit of that exercise. Wait, should I throw out my Jimmy Johnson draft value chart, oh, or is no. that still is that still currency oh, no. in the NFL? No, it, it, it's a I would say a baseline. I think what has happened with that chart, teams have kind of updated into their own version. Mm-hmm. Which at times when you're doing a trade, the values could be a little bit different. So maybe they've adjusted it accordingly from said number of years so we might not be looking at the same chart so there could be a market chart and then there could be an analytics chart so you try to have to match up the two because they might be you know you might be talking to the team about the trade but actually not viewing it through the same lens you're talking a a different language but that chart certainly has relevance and has had relevance for a long time I mean it's probably one of the, the greatest things that Jimmy has done so do you start hitting the pro day circuit now you got all this stuff done I know it's not all done but you get stuff done you can you kind of now get out on the pro day circuit? I know you traveled the games and saw games and such, but how much does it help you to get out on the pro day circuit and kind of get hands-on, if you will, with some of the prospects and players, especially the underclassmen? Yeah, I was actually supposed to go somewhere yesterday, but that kind of got derailed a little bit. So <laughs> a little bit. I would expect this <laughs> week that our staff has been on. The coaching staff was out last week. Lovey was at Georgia. Lovey was at Michigan. Yeah. We had some of our position coaches that were out throughout the country as well. Our scouting staff is kind of there. at Whatever pro day takes place Monday through Friday, they're there. So we're getting a lot of information. So it's a good opportunity. And it's it's pro day isn't about one particular player. Right. If a player with Texas A&M has said number of prospects, you want to maybe be able to look at all the prospects, not a particular one. Or there's a player that works out that comes out from somewhere else. So, oh, he's an interesting prospect. Maybe didn't know too much about him. Let's go back and take a look at that. So I would say this week that'll take place the following week of the league meetings down in Florida. And then when we come back from the league meetings that week of the 4th, you'll probably have an opportunity to bring some draft prospects into our building as part of the 30-man visits, which we actually were able to start those uh, before free agency. We did a few visits Monday, Tuesday of this previous week. So everything kind of works concurrently, so we're kind of juggling a lot of different things, but that's the beauty of this time of year, and there's a lot of fun uh, that's associated with that. Nick, after the day's news on Friday, Davis Mills tweeted, let's work, or something of that equivalent. Yeah. With and an emoji. I'm not yeah. a sweeter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're probably not noticing those things. But the fan base got fired up seeing that and everything. Tell us what kind of offseason you're expecting from Davis coming off the conclusion of the 21 campaign and as he gets ready for a 22 and whatever comes ahead. The offseason is about improvement. Can you improve your skill set as a position? Can you improve your overall understanding of what we're doing offensively? Can you improve your fundamentals? As we kind of transition to some new things offensively, there'll be a learning curve associated with that, maybe more so for some other players relative to Davis, who has some experience with some of the vernacular and some of the things that we're going to do, you know, with Pep's offense. So 
the offseason about is really for every player is about improvement. This is a, a great window, a great opportunity for you to improve, to get stronger, to work on your strength. Maybe you got to work on your lower body strength. Maybe you have to work on your flexibility. Maybe you have to work on your endurance. This is your opportunity to do that. And we're a newer team, not a new team, but with a new head coach and a new staff. So there's a certain newness element. So there's an opportunity for everybody to either A, build on what they did last year and continue to make strides, or B, it's their first opportunity to be in our building and you want to try to do things to make a positive impression. We talked a lot about a process in which players aren't even in the building yet, the draft. We talked about a trade, a player not even in the building. Let's talk about guys that you brought back to the building. Christian Kirksey, Malik Collins, Desmond King, just to name a few. Those three guys. Yeah, I throw Britt in there too. Yeah, yeah those, those, those just those guys, guys coming in. What what does it mean to bring those guys back, Nick? And how valuable was it to see them for the full season to kind of have that assessment period to be able to bring them back? It's huge. I mean, experience in our system, specifically defensively, all three of those players sort of fit what we're trying to do defensively. I'd say Kirko and, and JV were probably two of the better players on our team last season, so they're very well respected. They command a lot of respect, not so much because of the words, but because of their actions, because of how they work, because of how they play, because of how they practice. I mean, Kirko went out there in a club yeah. and played when realistically he shouldn't even been on the field, but that just kind of speaks to his toughness and who he is as a person. And really, that's a microcosm of what you want your your program to embody. So to have those players back in the building, to, to build on some of the things they did last year is certainly huge, not only for them, but for the rest of the team as well. Well, on defense, and we saw some good things from the defense last year, top third of the league and takeaways among them. Uh, you added, we saw the reports throughout the week that you were adding players at every position group on the defense to strengthen that as well. well I didn't realize that. I mean, it's kind of a process of osmosis. So it's not necessarily you're trying to say we're trying to fill every level. Yeah. You're just kind of mm -hmm. looking at the players that are available and there's an opportunity to add a player that makes sense. So it doesn't necessarily guarantee anything. So mm -hmm. it just guarantees them an opportunity, but they're players that we think fit what we're trying to do and that we think they have a certain level of skill that, you know, it takes to, to be successful in our system. Nick, one of the things that I've recognized as I've been down here on the service level, I've seen more players in the building working out than I think I've ever seen here. And I think you said the number in your press conference, like 25 to 30. It, it might be more than that. It feels like guys are here constantly. And I don't think I've ever seen that before. How valuable is that not only to them, but also – to the team that they're having that opportunity to work out together and do things together. That, that's pretty cool. I've never seen that before happen yeah. here. Every element of the team building uh, process is important. And really, what I think it really speaks more than anything is, is to the sports performance staff and Mike Eubanks and his staff and the resources that we have available for the players. This is a good example of when you're in a, a facility, when you have everything you need in the facility – why go somewhere else off-site when you have the people that you work with on a day-to-day -day basis throughout the course of the year that are here to serve you and to help you and can enhance your overall, I would say, strength, your overall performance. So our players have taken advantage of that. A lot of players want to be in Houston. There's a lot of players that live in Houston, even that aren't, aren't yep. on the Houston Texans. So the fact that those players want to be here speaks to the staff. It speaks to those players as well in terms of their thought process and mindset about trying to get the jump and anticipation about what they're going to do here when the offseason program officially starts April 11th. And you get to gather a little bit earlier as a team because you have a new head coach, but it's a head coach that's been here, so that's an extra advantage really. Sure. Any opportunity you have to kind of get started and work with your players, you know, you want to be smart about it and try to use it to your advantage. So 
I think the, the continuity will, will certainly help in that respect. So the more players we have here, the better for everybody, not just individually, but collectively as a team. And it's just about making incremental strides, incremental progress. Nothing's going to happen in the offseason in terms of games played, but we can kind of build and develop the fabric of our team. And then once we add the younger players that we're going to draft, bring them in the building in May, and then let's see if we can actually put a team in place and then get them ready to go for training camp. You mentioned the owners' meetings, and that got me thinking, and I don't really want to cause a fight, but I have to get your opinion on this because I know how he feels about it. It gets brought up every year. You saw it in the playoffs. What do you do with overtime? What would you do with overtime? And did you see that proposal by the I, Titans, I, I, I haven't think? studied it and read okay. it, so I don't want to comment on it. So, boy, it's like the $25,000 question. Like, what's the right the thing to do in overtime? And, boy, I mean, I think the league is always looking for maybe creative ways to try to equal the playing field, whatever that entails. But do you necessarily penalize a team? Again, I don't know what's been proposed or yeah, what right. some of those proposals look like. So, I think, look, everybody, when they get to overtime, feels like they should have an opportunity to touch the ball in some way, shape, or form, whether or not that is the right thing or the wrong thing. So the competition committee will vote on it, and the teams will vote on it, and whatever the rule is, they'll implement it, and then we'll have to adjust accordingly ourselves. Nick, one more for you. Just general message to the fans here as we come out of this mini era we're in and, and get ready for the rest of the offseason and the 2022 campaign. Yeah, I, I think – we should all be excited about the opportunity in front of us. It's kind of a, a, a situation where we can kind of reset a little bit. I think everybody has clarity, and we appreciate their support. We love their support. I know Lovey, you know, talked about the importance of the fans in our in our building. I think even JG said something about it the other day. He was at the rodeo and just about the environment. So, mm -hmm. our goal is to get as many fans in there in in uh, in the fall. Um, and we have to do our part and try to give them something to look forward to. So we're excited about the opportunity in front of us. We're trying to move the organization forward, and we need their help and we need their support, and um, we're going to do everything in our power to try to uh, put something together that they're proud of. All right, thanks a lot, Nick. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. I've dealt with a bunch of general managers since I've been in this sports media business starting back in 2007, and Nick is one of the more approachable ones, ready to share on the radio. I think secretly he likes being on the radio with Mark and I. He'll never admit that publicly or privately, but he likes coming on the radio with us, and it was great to catch up with him, and hopefully we'll have Lovey Smith, I think, sometime this week. We'll talk, catch up with Lovey Smith, who is, well, he's beating the bushes at the pro days. He was at Michigan, unfortunately, saw David Ojabo from Michigan who tore his Achilles. Just a sad scene there in Michigan for a uh, potential first-rounder. And we'll see what that does to his draft stock. And if you think about Jeffrey Simmons from uh, Tennessee back a couple years ago who had torn his ACL in January, the Titans still made the number 19 overall pick in the draft. Is sub-team the Texans. Are the Texans going to make that decision to take Ojabo and see what he can do Cam Akers made it back from an Achilles in six months. On that in six months, in that time frame, Ajabo would be back at the end of September, near about. So we'll see what happens to David Ajabo. But Lavi Smith was up there. He was at Georgia. He saw those defensive studs at Georgia, uh, and I know he'll be going to a few more this week. I believe he'll be joining me tomorrow at A and M, or I should say, I'm joining him. I don't know how you want to call it, but. It's going to be a wet drive up to College Station with all the rain, potential flooding, so y'all stay safe. Uh, but going to go up to AM and check out the Marvin Leal, Isaiah Spiller. 
he was injured at the combine, and hopefully he'll be a little bit healthier. He'll be able to run and work out, which will be uh, fun to see. So we got plenty going on at AM Pro Day tomorrow. I will be there. I think Lovey Smith will be there. We'll see who else joins us. Now, one aspect of the trade that came to my attention thanks to our guy, uh, Drew Doherty. He sent this to me, and I actually think it was Aaron Wilson who first posted it. He said this, and he said, hey, this trade looks a little bit better, the Sean Watson trade. So I'm looking at it going, okay, what does he mean? And then I'm looking at the listing, and this came from the NFL. This is from the NFL, so this is official. It was first reported that the Texans got three firsts, a third in 2023, and a fourth in 2024. So they were going to have three first-round picks, 22, 23, 24. Then they were going to get the third in 2023, a fourth in 2024. Per the NFL listing, the Texans also are getting a fourth-round pick from Detroit. I'm sorry, uh, from Cleveland through Detroit. It's the second pick of the fourth round, pick number 107. So the Texans getting two picks this year, number 13, 107. They'll get two next year, uh, a first-rounder and a third-rounder. And then at 24, they'll have a first and a fourth. But according to the NFL listing, and this is one of those things I always caution people about. Whatever you hear out there, whatever is reported, wait till that sucker becomes official. Because here's what happens. You start thinking, oh, I heard in the media that it was going to... That's exactly it. You hear it in the media. You hear a bunch of us on the radio talking about, ooh, we wish it was this and wish it was that. And we, we play mad on the radio. It comes down to it. Those discussions were never had and certain uh draft uh, theories were never out there so you wait for the official and then you wait for the official today and you find out oh they actually got a fourth rounder this year as well now look i know what you're gonna say it's a fourth rounder it's a number two in the fourth round the second overall pick in the fourth round so it's the second pick on saturday and not a bad spot to be to kick off day three. Now, you'll be the second spot on day three. But I've always liked for a team to be at the top of the next day because you have that opportunity to reset, go back and reset your board and look at everything. That night when you go home Friday night, hey, we're, we're on deck on Saturday. We got all our ducks in a row. And then at that point, maybe you take a few calls. Maybe you just have that best player available either way. But the Texans also taking home, if you will, pick number 107. That means two, four, six picks, two in each of the next three years, a first and a fourth this year, first and the third next year, first and the fourth the following year. So just make sure that we are clear. Now, Mark and I had a chance to catch up with Nick Casario. Mark and I will have a chance to catch up about all things going on in the NFL, including the AFC South adds another quarterback as the dominoes continue to fall from the trade that happened last Friday. We'll discuss that next right here on Texans All Access. Texans All Access. Texans All Access. Texans. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Texans All Access. John Harris here. And the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. There, Mark, good evening. It was fun to catch up with Nick Casario on Saturday. What were your overall thoughts when you left the building on Saturday after talking to Nick and just thinking everything through? 
Well, I think that especially after today's news, Johnny, but I, I always thought that three ones was going to be a good price for Watson plus something. We talked about the steakhouse and the side dishes and uh, <laughs> arguing about what's extra is kind of like arguing about the side dishes. Well, yeah. you got a couple of more side dishes today. You got your lobster mac and cheese. And I like the fact that Saturday of draft weekend, this is day three of the draft, top of the fourth round, right after the Jags, you go back-to-back Texans picks. Now, I want prop bets. Maybe Sean Pendergast is the right guy to talk to about this on how likely Nick Casario is to trade at least one of those picks, right? Because after Friday night, as you know, teams look at their boards and it's a big reset with each day. And you're thinking, who's left? Who's slipped through the cracks of the first three rounds? And what team wants to move up and grab maybe a quarterback or some other position player that maybe you feel like you don't need or don't want to take at that particular point and you can add to next year's draft or whatever the case may be. Or maybe you just take two players back-to-back right there. I remember when the Texans had back-to-back picks at the top of the third round in 2006, and they took Charles Spencer and Eric Winston. Obviously, Spencer didn't work out, even though he was a great prospect. Winston did. I'm eager to find out what happens. What is it? Seven picks, Johnny, in the first 108? Is yep. that what it is? That's correct. Seven selections in the first 108. And you're complaining? Not you. This is amazing. It's seven picks in the first 108. That means basically you get seven Harris 100 players because people are going to slip through. And that could transform. That alone could transform your organization. Never mind what you have coming up next year, which is still five picks in the first three rounds, right? This is going to be awesome. Let's just find out what he does, Nick Casario, with these selections. If you missed in the first segment what Mark is referring to, the trade as it was reported throughout, three first-rounders, a third-rounder in 2023, and then essentially a fourth and fifth-round swap in 2024, It's not quite the case. It is a fourth rounder in 2024 and a sixth rounder is going back. So that helps you there. But you're also, as Mark referred to, you're getting a fourth rounder pick number 107, which is coming from Cleveland through Detroit with the second pick of the fourth round, the second pick on day three. And then you have 108, which is your own pick that you have right there. My gut tells me that the Texans will not take two players there, just knowing Nick. If you got two players rated pretty highly, though, that might be the spot to do it. But if you feel like, hey, as he mentioned in that first segment, supply and demand. If you've got some supply there, move on down. Texas don't have a fifth-round pick. So there's some distance between 108 and I think it's 183. So if you can move down a little bit, maybe get something in that fifth round if there's something there that you want to go get. And look, to your point, If you find a player that you have a top 75 grade on and that player has just fallen to you at 107, take him. If it's fallen to you at 108, take him. If you don't see anything you like, take 107, 108, move on down. Get something a little bit later in the draft where you have the value of the player matching up with the spot in the draft. And I think that's – I don't know if general managers say it that way. That's the way I look at it. Can you find the players how you have valued them and how they're going to present and give value to your team at that respective spot. So um, that's, I thought Nick encapsulated it pretty well. So the Texans have also 107 in addition to pick 13. So let me see if I can do this. 3, 13, 37, 68, 80, 107, 108. 
It's not wow. bad. It's not bad considering what it what it was the last few years in particular. So we go. It's not we, a bad we, start. We go from having a first and second round pick in only two of the last five drafts yep. to having seven in the first one hundred eight, including two in the first thirteen. We've never seen anything like this in the history of this franchise. As far as just draft weekend itself, it's going to be the most exciting draft weekend ever. Now, you're not going to take a quarterback high, or will you? You know what I was thinking as I heard this news with two picks high in the fourth, I thought some quarterback's going to slip, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe you just grab him, right? Backup mills, insurance, or maybe he flourishes and surprises you, or maybe he's just a good backup, or who knows what happens, or you could trade the guy. Quarterbacks obviously have a great deal of value. So let's just see what happens. I, I think there's so many different scenarios. We're going to talk about them all between now and the draft, and of course, after the draft as to, far, as to how it played out. We certainly will. But right now, we're going to talk about what we had alluded to. And I love to play this game. I love when this game kicks off every single year because it kicks off every single year. It's called quarterback roulette. Where <laughs> will this quarterback go? And of course, Russell Wilson being traded and Deshaun Watson being traded kicked off some pretty amazing dominoes. Now, the one that Deshaun kicked off by going to Cleveland, really going to Cleveland, where's Baker Mayfield going to go? We still don't know where Baker's going to go. But the flirting with Deshaun Watson in Atlanta, I think forced Atlanta to say, you know what? I don't know that we can – how is this going to go with Matt Ryan? Well, they decided we probably should move on from Matt Ryan, and they did. And this is where it now impacts the AFC South because for a third-round pick, Matt Ryan was traded to the Death Star up in mm. Indianapolis, the Indianapolis mm. Colts, as Chris mm. Ballard works to get Matt Ryan. Now, I know – I put it out there today – if you look at what they got back for Carson Wentz or getting back for Carson Wentz, what they gave up for Matt Ryan, holy smokes. But if you go back even further and you're fair, the Colts gave up a for giving up their first round pick this year for Matt Ryan and a third round pick. So if you take Carson Wentz just completely out of it, just right. kind of just just net all of those picks. The Colts gave up a first-round pick this year to go get Matt Ryan and a third. Now, it's not a half-bad deal when you look at it like that. So, Matt they Ryan goes to the Colts. Mark your thoughts. Well, they, they kind of – I don't want to say they lucked into it, but they kind of did in You're that right. Matt Ryan's available, right? Yes. No one thought Matt Ryan was going to be available in this way, in this fashion. And you're right, Johnny. It works out really well for them because they're done with Carson Wentz. You look at what Stafford did for the Rams. I'm not saying Ryan's going to do that for the Colts, but they don't need him to be Stafford. They need him to be solid Matt Ryan. You look at Matt Ryan's numbers, solid over the years, doesn't get hurt. Uh, I know that last year wasn't that great, but look at the 2020 numbers and the 2019 numbers. They're very, very good and good for that offense, especially because you have Jonathan Taylor running the rock. You have a good defense. You have a good offensive line. Matt Ryan could be the difference maker for the Colts, certainly enough to get them into the postseason at the very least. So let's see how it goes. 
We all know that Wentz played well in spots for the Colts last year, but we also saw the left-handed picks. We also saw the meltdown against the Raiders and the Jags. So let's see how it goes from here. I, I'm amazed. And Johnny, Atlanta, don't they kind of have to draft a quarterback? If you part company with Matt Ryan, I'm surprised they couldn't kiss and make up with him. And maybe it just wasn't going to happen on his end. I don't know what went wrong there, and maybe we'll hear about it. But are you surprised that they couldn't kind of patch it up? Look, Matt, we had a chance. You know, we flirted with Jessica Alba here. Honey, I still love you. Can you come Can you come home after all? I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it was doable or not, but they're paying a lot of money cap-wise. I mean, it's costing them a lot against the yeah. cap to make this move. They acquire Mariota. I mean, that's not going to be the difference maker for them. Where are they going now as an organization? And Arthur Blank said, someday he'll get into the Hall of Fame. I don't think Matt Ryan's going to the Hall of Fame. He's in the Hall of Very Good. So I want to get your thoughts on that. Well, my first thought when they traded Matt Ryan was 2023. If Marcus Mariota comes in and gives them something, great. But if Marcus Mariota comes in and gives them nothing, and that thing tanks, they're lined up to be drafting at a minimum in the top three in one of the better quarterback drafts we've seen in a while. And we've seen some good ones. So it's a long play. It's a long play. If he works out, great. If not, you clear the books of the cap number. You get Calvin Ridley back in 2023. Kyle Pitts will be going into year three. You then are sitting at the top of the draft. You've got Bryce Young. You got CJ Stroud. You got Phil Jerkovic. You got Will Rogers. You've got those guys. Maybe Spencer Rattler gets things together at South Carolina. He gets back in the mix. He is wildly talented, but he's obviously wildly erratic in a number of ways. You're sitting at the top of that draft, and you've got an opportunity there to reset it in 2023. Now, will 2022 be tough and you got to bite the bullet a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, you're going to. And the thing is, Matt Ryan was going to get you seven, eight wins. You weren't going to be in position. So you take the big old cap hit. You get him out of Dodge. You take the three from the Colts. You do something with it. And if it doesn't work, not saying you tank, but if it doesn't work, you got Bryce Young and you got all those quarterbacks sitting there ready to be drafted to team with Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts, and now you set that thing off. The NFC South is right to be had once a team in that division gets a young, quality quarterback. There's nobody in that division that has a young, quality quarterback, and we don't know how long Tom's going to play. So if Tom decides after 2022 he's done, well, Tampa's looking for a quarterback, and they were too good to end up in the top five. The Panthers and the Saints are still looking for quarterbacks. And there's Atlanta positioned to go get one of those young ones at the top of the draft. I think this plays actually as crazy as it sounds because fans don't want to hear it. Marcus Mariota might be too good. He might be too good. He might get him five, six wins. But I kind of believe it when I see it. But I think this is all about clearing the cap, getting Ryan off the cap, they couldn't kiss and make up. It just wasn't the right move. And at that point, walk away. Matt, thanks for everything. We really appreciate it. You've done a great job. We're going to take this big old hit. We're going to take a bath this year, and it's not going to be great. But we're going to reset this thing in 2023 with one of these young quarterbacks. That's my, that's my thought.
on what they're going to do. Because you know as well as I do, Mariota is not the answer there. He is not the answer. No, no he, he can't be the answer. And look, is he going to pull what Tannehill pulled against him? Well, there's yeah. no incumbent starting quarterback. I mean, he's basically got the job right now, barring something else. But I still won't be surprised if they take one this year somehow, Johnny. And, uh, and that quarterback has a chance to beat out Mariota, who has not really flourished in the NFL, as we all know. Uh, I think it's just fascinating with the Colts. You know, they are the nemesis, and they did get better today. I don't know how much better, but they're certainly better. Look, they kicked the butts of the Texans with Carson Wentz in two games. I yep. mean, there was, there was no... Uh, look, there was no shot to take them in the second half of either of those games. I mean, maybe in the first half, if you want to be honest here. So what are they going to do with Matt Ryan? You just have to hope that the Texans improve enough because we know there were opportunities to stay in those games. I mean, at the break, I guess you were in the game, especially in the first one. And yeah. the second half, Mills throws that interception in Indy uh, relatively early after you make a stop with them coming out of the locker room there. But I, I just look, it's look, let's play ball. You know, when you get there, you get there and see what kind of rookie talent the Texans have, how much better Mills is, how much better are you running the football this year? And with the Colts, how much better are they with Matt Ryan? I think they will be at least as good as Carson Wentz had them when he was playing good to great. And maybe there's an even higher ceiling for them with Matt Ryan in the fold. He's not getting any younger. That's always a factor. This year, the numbers went down, but I think Atlanta was down as a team, the squad around him. So we'll see how it goes. I think Ryan is better than Wentz, but he's going to have to be in a conference like the AFC that has just gone completely through the roof crazy. It's nuts what this conference has turned into. As opposed to over in the NFC, and you go, wait a second. There's Stafford with the Rams. There's Rodgers with the Packers. Dak with Dallas. Yeah, but wait, 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 wait. You see, everyone's talking about the AFC, and rightfully so. But you still have two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in the NFC and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, and they're still going good here. You have Matt Stafford, who, you know, I've had my concerns and complaints about Matt Stafford, but he's coming off a Super Bowl and he's proving his doubters wrong. Okay. And after that, uh, that's kind of the point. Yeah, I know. It's kind of the still It's kind of it's top heavy with those two guys, plus Stafford. And then you drop down the AFC of Allen and Watson and Lamar Jackson and uh, Patrick Mahomes and Burrow and uh, stop me. Yes. Russell Wilson. Yeah. Derek Carr. Just say him. I mean, uh, everywhere you look Herbert. in the AFC, you're facing you're facing the quarterback. Not quite the way over in the NFC. When we come back, we'll go around the league right here on Texans All Access. Texans All Access. Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, heading to College Station tomorrow for Texas A&M Pro Day. Isaiah Spiller, running back for A&M, tight end Jalen Weiermeyer, who did position drills but didn't run or test, I don't believe, in pretty much anything. Isaiah tried to work out, couldn't do a whole lot because he's dealing, I think, with an oblique issue. So looking forward to seeing those two, Kenyon Green from A&M, DeMarvin Leal. A lot of talent down at A&M. Going to go check it out on Pro Day tomorrow. Now, if you missed news earlier as it pertains to the Texans, 
This came down. Actually, it was Aaron Wilson who tweeted this from Pro Football Network. We know Aaron for all of his work here with the Chronicle at 790. The trade is now complete and official. One major, actually two major changes. Number one, an additional fourth rounder added to the trade. Overall pick uh, 107. So the Texans will have 107-108 back-to-back in this draft. So that was not reported as part of the original deal. And what was reported in the original deal was essentially a round four and five swap in 2024. It's actually the Texans getting a fourth round pick from Cleveland for a Texans sixth round pick in 2024. So the Texans actually come out of there with six draft picks, all fourth round or better, three firsts, two fourths, a third. They do give up a sixth on the way out the door. So that's changed because it was originally reported to first, a third, a fourth, and setting a fifth back. This is three firsts, two four, two. I'm sorry, three firsts, a third, and two fourths. And one of those fourths coming in this particular draft. So two additional picks in 2022, two in 2023, two in 2024, six overall for your Texans. And that was not all of the news. Now, this next news was reported and reported pretty much across the landscape of Houston and the NFL. Two Texans return, Justin Britt and Desmond King. The team made it official, sending that notice out over the weekend. They made it official uh, with Christian Kirksey, Malik Collins. Um, and I'm trying to remember who else was added in that mix. But today it was announced officially that Desmond King and Justin Britt are coming back. It was also reported, and this is not official by the team, but it is has been reported by many. And I think as we saw with the Shaw Watson trade, you still want to see, I'll believe it when it says official, but it does seem as if Kamu Grugier-Hill is coming back for year two with the Texans signing a one-year deal. So, a lot of stuff going on with your Texans. The Watson trade is full and complete, and there was a little nugget of surprise going with that today, which was kind of nice to see. A big thanks to Mark, to GM Nick Casario, to all of you. A reminder, Nick will be on with Sean Pendergast and Seth Payne, 7.30 tomorrow. Nick Casario on Sports Radio 610. We had him here tonight. They have him tomorrow. Great stuff from Nick Casario. Thank you all very much. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.